Good morning. I'm Thad Lanthrop, the executive pastor here at CIV, and I'm glad that you can join us as we continue on in our Stacking Good Days message series. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at three key areas in life and how to handle them in a way that helps us to produce good days after good days after good days. Today, we're looking at holding your tongue. Have you ever tried to literally hold your tongue? It's hard to do. It's slippery. And to get a grip on it, you really got to crank down on it to be able to hold your your tongue. And it's difficult for us to get a good grip on the words that we use as well. But the Bible gives us a ton of perspective on on our speech and how to use it. And a key perspective that we get on our words is that what comes out of our mouth is the overflow of our heart. Take a look at Matthew 12, 34 and 35 with me. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Last week, we looked at the big picture in life and how our aim needs to be to fear God and keep his commandments. Now, this idea of fearing God is standing before God and in awe of his character and who he is. He's holy, which means perfect, blameless. He's good. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. There's so much to God's character, and we stand in awe before him. And there's this fear element to it, but it's not a fear and a cowering from God in fear. What it is, it's a a fear that his ways are right. They're true. It's the right way to go. And so we have this fear of God and we want to do life his way rather than our own way. And so that's the big picture aim of our life. And it's as we choose to make that the aim of our life that the behavior that we choose and the words that we choose line up with that. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, as it does in in Matthew there, what it's talking about is our decision-making core. It's not just the organ that's that's in our body. It's talking about this decision-making core. And our heart Our decision-making core, it's filled up with all kinds of desires. Good desires, bad desires, all kinds of desires. And we filter those desires through our perspective and our values. Our perspective, that's the way we think life really works. And our values are our ranking system. For things in our life. So where do we rank God and family and career? And so our values are where we put those on, on the scale of rankings in our heart. Words come out in an instant, but they don't come out on accident. They come out of our heart. They come out of what we truly believe about life and how it works and, and what we rank in our values system. And the words that we use, they have a huge impact on our life and the lives of the people around us. They can bring encouragement. My son JB is two years old and he's been giving me some encouragement. I had a procedure done on my forehead. I had a bump there 
and I had it removed. It turned out to not be anything, you know, serious. But JB, every once in a while, still he still does this. He gets very serious. He looks at me, and he says, ouchie? I say, yes, it's an ouchie. And then he goes, kisses? And he gives me a, a gentle kiss on my ouchie. And that's encouraging to me. For a two-year-old, that's really encouraging words. But words can also bring real damage to our life. Take a look at this news story from this last week. Gyms and brands are canceling partnerships with CrossFit CEO after he tweeted insensitive comments about George Floyd. CrossFit and their CEO who I don't think is the CEO anymore, they're going to lose millions of dollars because of the words that he chose to put in a tweet. That's the type of impact that our words can have on our lives because words have power. Look at Proverbs 18.21. It says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What this is saying is that our words can literally lead to life and death. You say the wrong thing to the wrong person, and it could cost you your life. But it also, our words can also bring life and death to our marriages, to our relationship with our kids, to our friendships, to our careers, to our churches. And our perspective and values on a situation, they come out in the words that we use. If we don't respect someone or we think we know better than them, it's going to come out in what we say. One of the best things that happened to me early on after my wife Gina and I had our first kid was she got sick with the cold or the flu or something. Now it's not great that she was sick, but this really helped me because I was at home for two or three days and I had to take care of him and see what that was really like. Before she was sick, before that happened, I would come home sometimes and maybe the house was a, a little messy and there's dishes in the sink and I'd make little, little comments about it. And they weren't helpful comments. They were comments basically that came from this perspective and it sounded like, you know, what were you doing all day? What, what was going on here all day? Well, I found out what she was doing all day and there wasn't much margin in the day trying to take care of our son and what she was, she was doing there. And I needed to stop those comments because those comments were coming out of a faulty perspective and, and values. And those comments over time would do real damage if I didn't repent from them and ask, ask her forgiveness for saying them. Little comments like that can cause extreme damage to relationships, to careers, uh, to lots of things over time. And we, we can do these little comments without even realizing what's going on. So how do we use the power of our words for good? It sounds simple, but speaking truth leads to good days. Psalm 34, 12 and 13 says, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. So speaking the truth 
is a huge part of how we stack good days. And it turns out that our understanding of good and evil is a key part of being able to choose to speak truth in situations, to speak what's helpful in situations. Now, our typical understanding of good and evil, it's something like this, this picture, this Avengers picture. There's, there's Thanos, who is evil in Avengers. He's trying to take over and dominate the world. The Avengers, they're good. They're, they're fighting against them, trying to save the world. Now, we, we typically think, hey, we're on the good side. We're on the Avengers side. We're fighting good, and, you know, we're not as bad as so-and-so who's on the evil side, or we're, we're doing pretty good in life. We're, we're doing a, a decent job of it. But the biblical picture for good and evil is, is much more complex than this. We don't get to grade on a scale of good and evil where we're, we're not as good as somebody, but we're not as bad as this other person. And the understanding that we get from the Bible on good and evil is really helpful to look at the Bible's definition of a Christian and from the angle of this good and evil. So we're going to look at an acrostic, the Lord acrostic, um, which we've looked at many times at CIV, and we're going to look at it from this angle of good and evil. It starts out with love. The Bible says that God loves you and wants you to experience abundant, real life. Another way to talk about this is, is God's character. And, and part of God's character is he is good and he is love. He is holy, which means that he's perfect without blemish. He's never done anything evil. And he loves us. But rather than turning to God, every one of us began to sin, going our own way, trying to be our own boss. So we've all turned to go our own way, which is called sin. Now, if we are going the opposite way of God, who is good, then we're doing evil. So sin, it's evil. And the result of our choice to do evil is separation from God. The Bible says sin has cut us off from knowing God personally. So instead of experiencing the life and the freedom God desires for us, people are dead spiritually, cut off from God, and actually in bondage to the enemy. But God didn't leave us there. To remedy the situation, God sent Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin and was raised from the dead. The Bible says that all people without Jesus are destined for hell. But those who repent, that's turn around and yield their life to Jesus as boss of their life, will become children of God and experience the life and freedom God desires for them. Looking at good and evil from the Bible's perspective, it shows us that evil is really anything that goes against God in his ways. And good is anything that is in line with God and his ways. And so this concept of good and evil is that we've all chosen to do evil. We've all chosen to live life on the evil side. But God made a way for us out of that. 
and into his goodness by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And we can have eternal life in God, not because of anything that we've done, but we can have eternal life because of what God has done for us. And so when we choose to yield our life to Christ and live life God's way, he gives, God gives us the resources that we need to choose to do good over evil. It's easy to see a verse like we looked at in Psalm 34, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. It's easy to just brush past the evil part because we think we're not, we're not that evil. We're not, we're not saying the most, the foulest, vilest things, but we don't want to brush past that. It's very important for us to look at that part of the verse, to really understand what it means, because we, when we really understand what that means, it causes us to look specifically at our lives to see what, what speech patterns do we have that aren't really following God and his, his ways. And the Bible gives us a ton of help on this. One example that we see on this helpful instruction from the Bible on our speech and our words is found in, in Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12:16 says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm insulted, I want to insult back. I want to do harm to the other person, which is, that's the evil that's being talked about in this verse. And what happens if we do that is hurtful thing, more hurtful thing, hurtful thing, more. It's just this back and forth, and it causes serious damage to a relationship. It's, it's hard to unwind the hurtful things that we have said in situations like that. But why, why would we not do that? Well, it damages relationships, but Proverbs 12.18 goes further and says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If we respond in anger, we're going to cut people like we're, like we're cutting them down with a sword. But the words of the wise bring healing. See, wisdom, the way God wants us to speak to each other, is in a way to bring healing to situations, not continue to tear them down and cause damage. I asked Caleb Collins to share a testimony with us of what this has looked like in his life. Caleb's a member of CIV and he has four kids with one on the way. Um, he's also a school teacher. Um, but take a look at how God has used his word, the Bible, to help him with his speech. Hey guys, um, a time recently in my life where I've had to uh, get better practice at holding my tongue uh, has been at the end of the year uh, at my job as a teacher. So, as some teachers are here and might know, the end of the year can be pretty stressful. Grades are due, and um, you got people asking for extra credit. Um, please give me something. And then you have people that aren't necessarily very happy with their final grades. And, and that happened to me at work. Um, I wish it didn't happen, but that was the case. I found myself on a, a Zoom parent meeting um, with a very disgruntled parent. Probably the most hostile conversation that I think I've been in in a professional environment. Um, and God helped me hold my tongue. I think I could have done a little better. Um, but through that scenario and reflecting on it, um, I realized that really to hold your tongue 
is actually harder after the fact. Um, for example, talking to my coworkers afterwards, and they're like, yeah, that guy was ridiculous. I can't believe him, and just kind of berating the father and maybe people that would give me some sympathy and kind of siding with them. Uh, I found that, that those complaints, I really need to hold my tongue on complaining. Because as you complain, it really doesn't help. What it does is it just digs deeper, and you go down, down, and down. Um, maybe to bitterness or anger or frustration. It does not solve anything. So really guarding my tongue, um, I found in that scenario was to guard my heart. A funny thing is I went outside after this meeting or around the scenario, and I said, God, I just need your wisdom. I was praying, uh, and my daughter came out. I said, hey, Daddy, I've got a verse for you. I just looked at her. She really has never done this before. And she said, Wisdom, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. Wisdom, Proverbs 4.23. That's all. And then she left and went back inside. And um, I was listening. I was definitely paying attention. I had just prayed, God, I need your wisdom. But I was thinking more like, how do I dodge this bullet and then make the best of this scenario? And God was like, you need to guard your heart. Protect the core. Focus on me. That's how you're going to navigate this trial. It's not that you can maneuver better than the next guy and you can have wisdom and success here. Wisdom was to focus on Christ and to be secure uh, in him. I mentioned this in my phone fellowship with my community group, and a friend said, hey, would you like a devotion I have on Proverbs 4.23? I said, yeah, for sure. I could take anything right now. And um, as I was reading it, it talked about to really guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for this wellspring of life. You need to do the next things in the following verses. And one of them is verse 24 that says to put perversity and corrupt talk far from your mouth. If you're really going to guard your heart, you take that corrupt talk that's welling up and you push it far away. You don't let it get a hold. It references James 3. James 3 talks about your tongue being a small rudder that drives the whole ship where it, wherever it wants to go. Or a bit that's put in a horse's mouth directing the whole horse. A small spark that catches a whole entire forest on fire. It says that your tongue can catch your whole life on fire. Fire from hell. And as I read that, I, I mean, it's a little scary. But it's true that if I don't guard my tongue, I can set my life on fire. Because when I don't guard my tongue, I let down the protection of my heart. I let other thoughts, other influences come in and start to drive my decisions. And that's really dangerous. It can lead to bitterness. It can lead to make me a hollow Christian and then therefore ineffective for Christ. Um, so guarding my tongue is directly tied to guarding my heart and fulfilling what I think God has called me to do. I appreciate Caleb being open and honest with us about how God's word has really helped him um, with what to say and not to say in different situations. And I want to ask us all a question this morning. Is there any area right now that you need to hold your tongue from evil? Get specific. Think through your work, through family life, through your friendships. Psalm 34 shows us the need to keep our tongue from evil and speaking lies. And I want to shift now from what we want to keep our tongue to and look at what we want to focus our speech on. And the goal in our speech is to benefit those that are listening. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This, this verse here, it's incredibly helpful. One of my 
favorite verses and is so helpful in what to say to people and, and situations. It was originally written in the Greek. And the word here for, for unwholesome is sapros, which is corrupt or rotten. This is the picture that came to mind when, when I read that this was really literally the word for it. Take a look at these rotten vegetables. For whatever reason, rotten vegetables, they just gross me out. I, I don't want to touch them. If, if there's a rotten vegetable in my fridge, I'm getting paper towels and, and I just don't want to touch it, even if it's not the rotten part of, of the vegetable. That's the picture here of unwholesome talk. It corrupts. It spoils relationships. And so we need to focus on building others up according to their needs, benefiting those who are listening to us. And this type of communication on a daily basis, that is the way to produce good days for ourselves and the people around us. Take a look again at this Ephesians 4.29, because there's a couple things that are assumed in this verse. It says, building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The things that are assumed here are, one, that we are close enough to people, we're in community with people, um, that we know what their needs are, and we can speak to those. The Bible talks about this type of community, of God's followers, that we relate to each other in a certain way, and we look out for each other. We know each other well, and we take care of each other. And then the other thing that is assumed here is that we know truth from the Bible that will benefit those that we're talking to. It's easy to say something that somebody wants to hear, but that can actually do more damage than than help them. Proverbs 26, 28 talks about this. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. That's not what Ephesians 4.29 is talking about here. It's not talking about flattering people. It's talking about saying things that are going to benefit those that you're talking to, that are going to build them up according to their needs and what's going on in their life. We stack good days as we make the aim for our life to fear God and keep his commandments. And we stack good days as we make the aim for our speech to keep our tongue from evil and speaking lies while we are trying to build each other up according to their needs and benefit those that are listening to us. God's word is real. And if we apply it to our life and, and the words that we choose to say or not say, then we can use the power of our words to bring life into our situations, whatever they are, and not tear them down. I want to encourage you to take a next step this morning in response to the message. Um, first next step that you might want to take is to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The power to stack good days comes from a personal relationship with Christ. Please let us know on the connection card if you've decided to follow Christ today. And then another next step that you might want to take in response to the message is read Proverbs and write down every verse that you find about speech. Uh, Proverbs is a book of 31 chapters and 
read through it. And each verse that you see that talks about the tongue or lips or the mouth or, or speech in some way, write it down. And what will happen is you'll start to develop a list of words that you should say and words that you shouldn't say. And that will make such a difference in your life. Develop that list. Develop that the right vocabulary that's going to bring life to those around you and to yourself. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your help and your guidance on our words, the words that we should should use. I pray that you would give us each specific help on specific next steps that you want to take want us to take with our speech this week with the words that we use help us to bring life to those around us to the to the people in our families and our friendships our careers help us to choose to look to put their interests first to try to build those people up rather than trying to look good or trying to one up somebody give us your power, and your strength to bring life to people this week. In Jesus' name, amen.